Hello everyone. Hello Macek. Welcome everyone to the first episode of my podcast Bitcoin and Expat Stories where I'll be joined by a gentleman like Macek to tell their stories about Bitcoin and uh, their expat experience. So for this first episode, uh, you guys might know him or you might not. Macek is one of my best friends. Uh, I live in the same city as he does, Querétaro, Mexico. We're neighbors. And we're recording from this podcast studio that we built in his house. So welcome, Macek. How are you? Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I'm doing really good. And you? I'm very good, too. Thank you. All right, Macek. So first of all, I wanted to say to, to everyone listening that Macek uh, not only has been a friend for me of me for, for many years, but we've had a, a career together. We launched first Mining X in 2018, which was our first startup. We then launched Verify together. We worked at Verify for multiple years. Magic was in charge of sales and marketing. And uh, we then also left, uh, well, we got transitioned from Verify to Bull Bitcoin, where Magic was uh, the community manager of Bull Bitcoin. And now he's working at Bitrefill as social media coordinator. Is that right, Magic? Yeah, that's uh, more or less right, yes. Awesome. All right. So tell us a bit about yourself other than things that I've mentioned, just a quick introduction so that everybody can be on the same page about who you are. So um, I can, uh, apart from my career in Bitcoin, I've been living in uh, Montreal my whole life. And I, th I guess we're going to speak about it a little bit more during the podcast. But since the last two years, I have immigrated to Mexico and I have no intention of coming back to Canada Uh, I have a deep passion for liberty and um, discovering new cultures and uh, seeing how uh, the world will evolve in the, in the, these times. Awesome. Thank you for that. So, yeah, well, tell us uh, just to start with like lighter subjects and then we'll go on towards more about your career and like your Bitcoin um, knowledge. Uh, let's begin with uh, your uh, experience of leaving Canada in 2020 or 2021 and what was it like moving to Canada f f well from Canada to Mexico uh, how did the process go for you to establish yourself into a new country and live in your home country so the first thing that started my my will to want to go out of Canada uh, I really didn't know at that time that I was gonna leave and not come back to live anymore in Canada um, it was during the lockdowns uh, during COVID in, uh, in I'm saying Canada a lot uh, they were one of the most harshest in the world and I was becoming really frustrated with myself uh, really mad at the world because I couldn't understand why so many people were illogical and just following orders uh, without questioning anything And I was becoming really frustrated. So as soon as I got the chance uh, to visit Mexico during uh, uh, right before the New Year's Eve of 2021, um, me and five of my friends went to Mexico uh, just for vacation, right, for two, three weeks. And we had a blast. And it was also my first time that was down south. So my first time uh, like on a real uh, trop tropical beach, I would say. Uh, discovering Latin, like more Latino culture. Obviously, I was not in the most uh, 
Latino Mexican place because I, we were in Playa de Carmen, uh, Playa de Carmen, which is a, a city really close to Cancun, so it's really touristic and infested by tourists. I would say. Yeah. Um, sure. So that's when the first time I felt like uh, I often said like it's the first time that I shed my skin like a like a snake wool did, and I really felt like this is where I belong, and not just complaining about my life in Montreal in the cold and uh, not being able to do something for myself but really being able to uh, work from anywhere also live how I want and uh, go where you're I'm treated best right so that's a little bit more the story yeah definitely I, I totally get what you mean and you know um, I've gone through a similar process So, well, one question that I have for you, you your parents immigrated from Poland to Canada, right? So they, they kind of had a similar experience of leaving a country towards something better, right? On the, on the search of, of a better life. Well, I guess it's a bit different this time because normally people move from countries that have less economical opportunities to ones to, that, have, uh, that has much right. better opportunities. And that's what kind of happened with uh, my parents when they moved from Poland to Canada, even though at that time uh, Poland was like uh, rising from uh, the, the fall of communism. It was growing uh, still, and it's a, it's a good country nowadays. But still, Canada was this country where you could find more opportunities and also perhaps better education for your kids. And it's just like America, right? And now it's funny because I did the same, but I went to Mexico, which is like kind of the opposite of uh, what people will do maybe even 20 years ago, right? So um, uh, for the first time in the history, you have like uh, people moving from richer countries to poorers, uh, poorer countries. Maybe not the first time, but at such a big scale, I think it's the first time. Yeah, well, the internet has obviously changed things, right? You, yeah. you work online, so you can do it from anywhere. Uh, so that's the same for, thing for me. So, and it's the case for many. So, I guess that has changed a lot. Uh, but Canada has changed a lot too. You know, uh, in terms of freedoms, in terms of uh, individual liberties, individual individual rights, uh, it has gone into a very collectivist uh, mindset rather than individualistic. Right? Yeah. Right. Also, one thing I want to mention is the fact that perhaps one good thing about the COVID. Uh, Uh, hysteria and everything is the fact that now people kind of take it for granted they can work from home so now you can kind of require from your your employer to to have some days off where you can work home or even a lot of uh, companies and startups have adapted to that lifestyle especially bitcoin companies because i guess it's also a good thing to have a, an overall view of the world if your employees are working a little bit everywhere So I guess one good that good thing that came out of it is the fact that now, as you said, the working online is more widespread and it's not like a, something that only really privileged people could do uh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, right? But yeah, as you said also, Canada is becoming, has be became really, I don't know where you were going with that thought, uh, more uh, collectivist or something like that, so... Yeah, well, I think uh, it's just natural that uh, through, through, through wealth creation and wealth abundance, which is the place where Canada is at right now, um, you, you start to change paths, you start to change directions, where it's no longer about creating wealth, but it rather distributing it. 
it's no longer about basic necessities but rather like very uh top of the scale necessities like very social stuff or like some things that seem made up at some point right uh such as the, the new social trends uh, in in politics right but anyways just to say simply that simply a first world problem uh, exactly. I, i guess we can exactly say that, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's it and I guess with time governments become corrupt, uh, especially if they're so powerful and they've centralized so much the resources. Uh and we could do a whole episode on this, right? But just to get to the point, I think nobody everybody notices that Canada has moved further to to an authoritarian regime rather than not not completely, not not as not, I'm not saying fully, it's still a democracy in some ways, right? Uh, but it has moved closer to that side over the last couple of years. Well, I think there are some uh, countries that uh, will never dare to say something about Canada before, but in a lot of statements, statements and like even in the UN, I think they criticize Canada openly about many things they, they did in the last two years. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't feel we're living in the same Canada as we live as kids. And it shows also around the world, uh, even, you know, like Tucker Carlson said, we need to liberate Canada. That was kind of funny, yeah. but just the fact that we sp we, some people speak about it like this. Uh, yeah, it, I don't think it has a, a good image uh, that much in, in the world. Yeah, it, it depends with whom, right? I, I guess, like, like my family lives there, and, you know, from a security point of view, it's a really good country. Uh, safety, even public services are still not fully deteriorated, right? They still work to some extent uh, enough for, for mostly older people, right? So my family's there, and they're, they're okay with it because they're not very freedom-oriented. Uh, as long as they have safety, they're okay, right? So I guess it, it depends what you prioritize in your life. I obviously prioritize freedom, which is why I'm here. But uh, it depends, right? Different people prioritize different things. Right. Yeah, right. All right. So I wanted to follow up by asking you, um, why Mexico? And did you look consider other countries before moving to Mexico? Was it... Your goal, was it to leave Canada for any place or was it really about Mexico? Um, I cannot say that I compared Mexico too much with other countries because I just visited uh, two other countries in Latin America, which is Costa Rica and El Salvador. And they are not comparable in terms of, uh, you know, culture and uh I mean, they, they have their own culture on their own, but they're not as big as Mexico, as varied in, in, in the economy and like many things to do, like in nature and uh, different climates. So I don't think they're comparable. It's not like if you're comparing Mexico to Brazil or something. So, I mean, I kind of landed here and the circumstances have led me to stay here uh, quite fast because obviously I like it, but... I then went more down, more south to see if there was uh, something else better. And I I think for what I want right now, Mexico is perfect because it's still relatively close to the States, to Canada. It has a high growth potential. There's a lot of things to do in terms of entertainment, in terms of culture. So at the moment right now, I'm good to have a base here. 
but it doesn't mean I'm, I don't want to travel more, especially in Latin America, uh, to, to see other opportunities or uh, how people live uh, over there or how Bitcoin can impact the lives of uh, Latin America as a whole. So, yeah, I guess that's... Right. Okay, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I totally agree. You know, like, I, I do as as well want to look out, uh, take a look at, at other countries. Mine would be, like, Brazil, Colombia, uh, even Paraguay, which seem, like, very interesting. Uh, mostly from a culture perspective, once again. Paraguay, more from a fiscal perspective. But, yeah, there's a lot to see. Uh, Mexico's definitely the... The, the leader, I guess, in, in some ways, at least from the Ibero-American countries, the Spanish-speaking ones, because Brazil is its, its own uh, monster, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Is there anything that you don't like about Mexico that maybe not you didn't know at the time and through your experience of living here, you've realized that you don't like it too much? Well, I guess it's not something that I don't like, but a thing that I realize more... Uh, after two years kind of living here is the fact that um, in, in order to really feel implicated in a culture and as a active kind of citizen, maybe not active citizen, but somebody that's valuable in a society, you really need to integrate, right? So if you want to just be like the American that, you know, profits from the fact that everything is cheaper and you don't want to integrate yourself too much within the people, within the culture, at some point you will get bored. You will find yourself lonely, right, uh, in, in some cases. I'm not lonely at the moment because because uh, one thing is that, uh, well, I have a girlfriend, I have you uh, that lives close, a good friend, and another good friend, Tristan, that lives close. and uh, But also... Um, I'm also learning Spanish, so I feel kind of integrating uh, a little bit. But still, you you always feel a bit like a stranger, especially them. For example, you you speak Spanish. You come from a uh, Latin American country. It's not exactly the, the the same because you can integrate a little bit more easily. But for myself, I kind of realize I will always be like the not the outsider, you know, but different, right? Yeah, like, because everybody's Mexican. It's not. Yeah. It's not like Canada or, or the United States, which are very multicultural societies. Here, yeah. everyone's Mexican. Even people that weren't Mexican a generation ago have fully converted to the Mexican culture, to the Mexican language, to the Mexican customs. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. But it's not something I don't like. It's something that's part of going to another country and living there and choosing to live there, right? Yeah, But well, I guess there's two points to be made here. First of all, Mexico as a culture swallows every co other culture. So you, you, there's, it's not a multicultural country. Well, it's, it's Mexico itself is multicultural in the sense it's different regions, different cultures, but it's all Mexican cultures, right? So that's the first point. And the second point, I guess, is just immigrating anywhere as an adult It's different than as a kid, right? Like you, it's it's harder to make friends. It's harder to to you. You already have friends. You already have a culture. You already have a a, a, a personality. You've already learned all these things, so you gotta kind of relearn them and or relive them. And it's not it's never the same thing, right? Yeah, and it and and it's super uh, useful to kind of live this experience of living abroad and uh, trying to integrate, but you need to really 
go out there and uh, you know try to meet people if not you're gonna feel uh, lonely at some point that's what i heard also from other expats that don't have the chance of for example having friends around right because a lot of people for example they move and they all they always inviting their friends hey it's amazing here come and most of them never come like uh, because they have other responsibilities they have families but also i think we have the chance of having few friends that already came over right um and also some friends that are oriented on having like a more macro point of view of the world where uh thinking about like second passports or you know stuff like that so yeah, yeah. I, i guess we're in the environment where that is <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, kind of normal right so yeah, yeah. traveling so, a lot sorry for that um okay yeah I, i i agree with you um totally so next uh so you you we live in queretaro uh, and obviously i got my reasons for living here but i want to hear your reasons uh why queretaro which other cities did you try uh what made you conclude that you wanted to live here at least for the time being uh Well, there's many things. Uh, I traveled quite a bit with my girlfriend and we visited, uh, for example, Mexico City, uh, Queretaro, San Miguel de Allende, which is like a small, little smaller village close to Queretaro. Uh, obviously, I lived on the beach few few months. Um, so it was a, like a combination of many things. Uh, first of all, the weather. I like a lot the beach, but I like to be on the beach when i'm in a like a completely relaxed mindset vacation i don't want yeah when i'm in a vacation mode because i don't want to sweat all the time like going to a cafe with my computer uh like struggling to find good internet i know you can if you settle you can kind of settle yourself to have everything like yeah but just being in a party like town Uh, environment doesn't it's, it's not functional for me so i needed something more serious and then i also like the mountains uh, in general i feel good in the mountains so get it for people that most of the people don't know but the coasts of mexico are like really geographically separated from the center of mexico because there's like huge plateau where all the big city cities of mexico and the mexican culture uh like uh, was born and lives yeah. up, up till today so on on the in the middle of mexico all the cities are 100 meter minimum uh, above the sea level so you have different uh, you have a different temperature and climate uh, in general yeah and then if i compared then the, i was in mexico city but mexico city was really big and also a little bit more expensive So I didn't want to like just move from a big city to another. So Queretaro, because of its combination of weather, good economic opportunities, things to do around, proximity to Mexico City. Uh, so if I want to take a plane to go somewhere, that's not a problem. Yeah. So that's just like kind of how I landed here. But it was not a reflection that was like... Uh, comparing 10 cities at a time or something it was just like yeah okay, i feel good here okay let's try here so yeah for sure well i, I guess i was the one that made the, mo the most like analytical decision as well because i did look at, at multiple cities 
Querétaro ranks at top of the country in terms of safety. Uh, it's it's Baja California Sur, which is La Paz and Cabos, and Querétaro. The, those are like the, the Aguascalientes too, and many rural regions too, but I'm talking about like uh, expat spots, right? So for safety was clearly a good reason too, right? Yeah, safety was uh, definitely... I don't want to live in a country where where uh, I feel unsafe. And basically in Mexico, you can feel unsafe if you don't do things right. But also if you do things right, it's perfectly possible to feel even safer than in the United States or some 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 cities in Canada, right? So yeah. in the two years I live here in Mexico, I, I've, I haven't really felt danger, uh, really. So, you know, I think... Yeah, very, very little danger because, exactly, the, the country is is divided, right? There's very unsafe places as there's safer places than most American cities. Okay, that's that's cool. Um, but how do you see yourself long-term? Do you think that there's more like a, a couple years stay or do you want to, like, have a family here? Uh, have Or you just want to go as it goes, right? You'll decide later. Well, I think it's like a good base if you want to, for example, integrate within the Mexican society um, by doing business or, you know, opening something and trying to make it grow here. I think it's definitely a good place. And there's also like tinier expat communities that also are well-functioning, that help each other here. So you can also have support that way. There is good schools. So yeah, as a whole, if you want to choose one city to live for a long time, Querétaro might be a good option because basically all Mexicans, when they hear about Querétaro, they want to come here, right? Because it's like a new opportunities, uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's widely considered as one of the best cities to live. Yeah, but then in my, well, not wildest dream, but in my dream, I want to have multiple bases uh, around the world and maybe live three, four months in each one. Of and, course. You know, so I don't want to plan for a suburban uh, Mexican life, but, you know, if that that is what happens in the end, uh, I wouldn't be too bad here, but obviously... I want more uh, from the... Of from course, life. of course. Right. We all want the, the penthouse apartment in Vallarta in front of the sea, right? Well, not everybody. Some no, but I, I, I guess <laughs> what I'm saying, you know, it's... Of course, right? It, it You can never tell how far you, you go, right? But but yeah, I, I, I feel the same. I feel like it's a good place to be. Um, so um, there's a... Okay, so there's one thing about Querétaro that a lot of people talk about, and I just want to address that quickly. Uh, because it's kind of like the FUD around Querétaro. People say it's a very boring city. I even got a friend, Yao, who says it's the most boring place in the country. <laughs> so what would you say to those? Is it a boring place uh, or are they just wrong? I would say you don't get bored if you're uh, if you're not a boring person. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm joking. But um, no, there's a tons of stuff to do around. Like uh, there's many magical towns, uh, like one hour drive away from uh, from Querétaro. There's a lot of nature uh, spots two three hours away. The only thing is, like if you really uh, take advantage of Querétaro in, in its 
like full potential you need a car so that's the only uh, thing that you really need to enjoy Querétaro good again yeah. there's like a old historical center that's beautiful you can have a walk uh, there's good restaurants there's places to there's uh, natural springs I mean there's tons of things to do yeah. and in the worst case if you really feel that bad in Querétaro and you feel bored during the week there's a uh, in four minute, 40 minutes from Querétaro, there's a, a international small airport that can get you to the beach in one hour. And the, the ticket flight is going to be like $50. And bam, you're somewhere else. And so, you know. So, yeah, it's a bit more boring. It doesn't have the bustling life of Mexico City, which has 22 million people, right? But, you know, it's a city of 2 million people, so you gotta sk everything is kind of scaled down. So I, th I think it's normal. Yeah, what, what I would say is uh, about your point of having a car, that's extremely important. Um, and Querétaro, because Querétaro is not a walkable city, except besides the, the historical center, you need a car to get around. And yeah, like, we live half an hour from the historical center. And if you're just here... You don't, and you don't drive around and you don't drive to like the areas with more activity, you, you can get bored, right? It can seem like there's not much. But if you go particularly on the weekends to the historical center, to uh, the Antea region, uh, the mall region, or just uh, the Arcos region, the, like the historical, uh, how could you, how would you just call this? Aqueduct. Aqueduct. Yeah, exactly. So around there, there's a lot of places too. So yeah, I guess it just, It's not as evident as when you're in Guadalajara and you walk down Chapultepec Street and you see everything and everyone around, right? Or in Roma, in, in Mexico City. It's it's something that you got to discover. You got to know the places where you're going to uh, and you got to drive to them, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess uh, we'll change a bit subjects uh, from Mexico to your current job. So can you tell us about Bitrefill? Uh, what are you working on there how is it working at bitrefill uh how do you see yourself in the future within bitrefill yeah for sure um so for those who don't know bitrefill.com uh, it's a website where you can uh, buy uh, gift cards and also refill uh, your prepaid uh, phone bills um, with bitcoin and other cryptos uh And it's like the the leading one at the moment uh, in the market. Uh, we we have like over six thousand different products you can buy in almost every country. I don't know which country we don't serve, but like you know, probably not North Korea and that kind of <laughs> stuff. Right. But we're basically almost everywhere because there's also a lot of products that can be used internationally. And uh, I work. I entered as a Mexican and Canadian ambassador. But then as uh, I took more initiatives in the company, I am now the social media coordinator. So I take care of the social medias of Bitrefill. I help, I help coordinate all the content, provide ideas and stuff like that. And um, uh, what can I say about Bitrefill is that it's also a Swedish-based company. So they have like really have like a European culture where you're expected to obviously... Uh, deliver and like bring ideas but they're all i feel they're not as aggressive uh, as will uh, uh, an american uh, based company will be uh, so the culture is kind of like relaxed but also 
oriented like for high performance so the culture is really great because everybody helps each other there's not like uh, this really competition that perhaps can be stressing in other jobs or stuff like that so the the culture is really great and we also twice a year have like something called bonanzas where uh -huh. all the team from the the whole world meets at one place so the last one was in costa rica and uh there's like two weeks of working activities but also fun so that's you know perks that uh, cool. some people are dreaming about so it's really nice and uh yeah uh, in the future i would like to um provide more you know market uh, learn into in the job and uh, apply those learnings uh, back to to improve the the service especially in mexico i, I think right because you're also mexican ambassador for bitrefill right yeah the, exactly. okay Yeah, well, I, I, it seems like Bitrefill has a very nice culture to work at, uh, which allows you to, to grow uh, and to learn, but at the same time be performant uh, and at the same time has all its perks, right? Uh, such as working from anywhere, uh, kind of flexible on the schedule, uh, being having like bonanza or like travel paid two times a week uh, into like very cool places like Costa Rica, right? Yeah, right. I think the, the, the whole Bonanza thing, it may look like something, it's just an expense and it's just uh, uh, something the, the, the founders paid themselves, uh, you know, to feel good. But I feel in, if we, you really have a distributed team all over the world, m making them meet at some point and like seeing them face to face and connecting is really important. And the companies that fail to kind of bring people together with this like personal, um uh link yeah uh, will will fail a bit so uh, for me it looks more like an investment and it pays off because people then feel uh like they're not just uh, somebody on the screen that you don't yeah. see and never talk outside your your meetings you know on on zoom right so i think that this is really important yeah i, I totally agree you know you need uh, alignment around values around you know vibe Yeah. Uh, energy. So yeah, this this does help a lot yeah. in that process. Awesome. Well, uh, are you working on something else besides your day job? Do you have any projects you're building? Uh, anything on the side? Yeah. Well, we have uh, together our meetup in uh, in Querétaro, and I think it's actually going pretty good. Uh, so. Uh, me and you, we were organizing the, the Bitcoin Montreal meetup and we had a big community there, which was amazing. And I think what was really nice in the community in Montreal is that there was a mix between entrepreneurs, uh, you know, developers, also noobs and like just a mix of people together. So it yeah. was just it was not just a meeting to drink and talk about bitcoin how bitcoin will save the world and we can just drink beer and stack sets right yeah it, it was a meeting where for example i uh had my job at uh might be bit refilled because i met um, many years ago uh justin which became my friend yeah which told me to apply to bit refill and he recommended me so if you create a uh this kind of like sandbox of people mixed in within together you create uh the possibilities of people forming ideas or companies that could work right oh for sure so for sure there's a lot of french companies that 
got like inspired about what we were doing and now they're they're doing uh, exchanges in europe yeah, yeah there's yeah, a lot of companies like that so there's a lot of projects that came out of bitcoin montreal a lot of people that got hired i think it was because we allowed with certain limits right it was bitcoin focused so you couldn't talk about other cryptocurrencies but besides that we allowed ideas to flow freely right there were some very extremely right-wing people yeah uh, that would be banned anywhere else yeah as there were some left-wing people and they would talk together you know and yeah. people of all races respect all, all yeah. backgrounds for sure you know and and i think that allowed new ideas to emerge and new opportunities to emerge and people to just feel free to 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 say what they think right and be validated or yeah. or debated on right so yeah uh, i i hope we can create the same thing here it's going to be a challenge definitely because you know mexico doesn't have this culture it has it has it but it's different and it's not as big the startup culture the yeah. the meetup culture is just not the same thing uh also people have told me that they there, there can be some concern of attending meetups bitcoin meetups because uh you you need to make sure it's safe you know you might be get targeted after also a lot of people get scammed uh scammed a lot in of mexico course. so you, you you need a lot of time to prove to people that you're not a scammer and that you're actually leg legitimate that's another challenge right so my thing we're doing with good it good like every month at least one uh you know so i think it's yeah it's growing good uh we, we're gonna with at our third one And yeah, I third hope. one is Thursday. Yeah, so I that's one project, uh, and with this podcast room in my own house, uh, there's uh, uh, a podcast I was doing in French called La Sauce Bitcoin, which uh, which means the Bitcoin sauce. Yeah, and great uh, name I, by the way. Yeah. It's, I think it's a great name, definitely. And uh, I I was interviewing a lot of Bitcoiners in French, uh, which can bring another perspective perspective i think than just interviewing english yeah. speaking people and uh, sometimes you may be surprised who speaks french uh and just having their side of the story told in another language is is fun i have interviewed uh, people in latin america and france in quebec in africa you know in africa there's a huge speaking uh french population it's so, the biggest population uh, in the world exactly so I mean, there. I think there's a lot of potential here, and I know some French people like uh, Roxy, who's doing a lot of great work in Bitcoin education. Yeah, they they couve Bitcoin, right? Yeah, yeah, they couve Bitcoin. So that's another project, and for we have other secret projects that are not re yet revealed. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be announced well, at a further podcast. Yeah, or they'll just appear and, and people will, will see for themselves, right? Yeah. But I had a question. So when you were talking about Last Souls Bitcoin, do you have, I didn't fully understand, are you planning on relaunching that podcast? And if so, can you share with us any details around the launch date, around why you've decided to relaunch it instead of creating a new podcast or any other insights? Um. I guess it's going to be kind of like a season two or like because I just stopped uh -huh. uh, doing them because I actually because I start traveling within Mexico. So uh, if you don't have like the, that stability, it's hard to concentrate and, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, be regular and those kind of stuff. So there, there's no like specific plan in, 
in terms of relaunching it just uh i have my first interview with my first guest uh, planned next week so hopefully uh i i guess by march uh the the first the first new episode should be out and uh i really want to interview as many uh, different people as possible so Uh, trying to fr- find French uh, speaking people, uh, not not just in France, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, you got many people in Africa. Yeah. More and more, there's projects coming out from Africa, right? Which yeah. are extremely interesting. Uh, you, you got the the Fetty Mint project, Fetty dot X Y Z, uh, Bitnov, which is an exchange in uh, Senegal. Maybe I, I'm not sure exactly which country, but uh, around that area, it's it's mostly around. Uh, like western africa right that's where most of the 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 new bitcoin companies or the new bitcoin scene has come from if i recall correctly uh i'm not sure i need to learn about it yeah. but the, the the real the, the thing is i don't really know at the moment uh the, the exact scene that is happening uh, over africa so that's what i want to discover yes awesome okay well my only advice Well, I'm I'm myself launching a podcast, so I don't have much advice. But I would just say uh, consistency, consistency, right? That's the key yeah. here. Uh, someone that advised me when I was building the startup told me it's all about being consistent and uh, improving and being ready to do it for at least five years. It's not a lot of people want to launch a podcast and do it for a couple of months and then and then they'll give up if it doesn't work, but You got to be ready to do it for five years because most likely the success will come after three years, two, two, three years, four years, you know, multiple years. Uh, and that's what I plan to do with uh, with this podcast. Okay, so we can move forward to um, the, let's say, the Bitcoin part, uh, I guess, unless you had any comments to share with me extra about your expat experience. If so, if you don't, we can move towards the Bitcoin part. But if you got some comments, you can share them with me. Well, my comments will be if if you're hesitating and if you're a young uh, young person that doesn't have too much responsibility and you're thinking, ah, should I do it? Or just book a flight and land somewhere that is kind of easy to start. Mexico is easy to start. Yeah. And just go for a few months. What's the worst that can happen? And the, the worst that can happen, you, you can call a friend or your mom and uh, ask them to buy you a ticket <laughs> back if you're completely broke. And uh, it's going to be a great life adventure. So my advice will be to to try it. Like that's especially if you're you know if you're younger and you don't have yet a family or something like that. Uh, just go for it. That's yeah. That's don't. Uh, I mean you. I, It's hard to regret something like this, right? You're gonna meet new people, have adventures, uh, good and bad ones, you know. But uh, but that's all worth it, you know. Yeah, it's it's. I I think so too. Um, it's important though not to get lost in the process. You know, you you gotta remain productive. Uh, or if you take a break, don't make it a too long break. You know. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that go for like two, three years uh, sabbatical, right? Yeah. That's what they call it. And they're like more hippies and 
you're gonna live in hostels and that's fine but that wasn't what what i was doing yeah i was still working uh uh but yeah some producti- productivity can be lost definitely uh if you're traveling a lot especially if you're changing a lot uh, so a lot of expat experts would say if you want to if you don't want your producti- productivity to be too affected you should stay in a city or a place uh like minimum one month right yeah. because then you have the time to settle in you have uh, little routines that can be kind of formed and you're, you're not gonna have the fomo oh i'm leaving uh in one week i need to do this i need to do this and then you you don't sleep you you go out too much or something right yeah so that most of the advice is to stay in a place a little bit longer than just uh, one week or a few days right yeah, yeah but i was just saying like you can it's it's very different planning than living it right so you can plan and believe you can be extremely productive but then you get here and you realize it's it's harder like for me it was It's, it was harder than I thought, you know, to be productive, uh, at least for the for the past year. You know, now I'm uh, it's completely different story. But past year, it was just you can just get lost into it. You can and it's okay too. but it's it's important to just stay consistent about I, your long term. I don't know if it was the magic of the fact of being free while all the world was locked down and going crazy and just, you know, getting super uh i would say fucked up <laughs> but but i i think th- we were in the moment where it was the most magical moment to do this kind of thing mm. because it was like we escape right it was if it was yeah. feeling like we escaped from prison and so and everybody that uh was traveling at that time in mexico and costa rica and everywhere everybody had the same mindset that went out and all the crazies stayed behind Uh, yeah, yeah. Clo- uh, so i don't know what w- what will be the same atmosphere right now i guess it will be a bit different but still f- so for somebody that feels trapped or feels a bit uh that they need to sp- spread their wings i would say i, I guess yeah right it-, it must be harder to to uh, uh to not lose productivity but we we were in a especially like, yeah, specific you- time that led us to to act like we acted that's a good point i hadn't thought of that like that but yeah you're you're right we we were in a very complicated time and we made the decision at that point precisely which yeah had consequences okay uh well actually I, while you were talking i thought about a, a few other questions that i would like to ask you so the first one is uh like what is the craziest story that you have from your experience living in mexico anything violent narco related that you'd want to share with us or just anything that you think people w- would like to hear yeah well um i had the uh, one of well one of well it was a crazy experience and a really hard experience because what so one of my the friend of my girlfriend uh got killed Uh, so she's from a little village well not a village she's from a town that's like hundred thousand people yeah. and f- close to that town there's a magical town a really uh, beautiful town in the mountains of mexico uh, there's great uh, food great products great culture uh, there's uh, people doing uh, 
mezcal there and uh, this guy was uh, uh, his friend and also like kind of the boss not the boss but like the, the man of the village so his family had many businesses uh, construction businesses and stuff like that so he was he also was an entrepreneur uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, all the town loved him right he he was like the 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 guy that can always you can go for help or yeah. it just is just a good friend has good vibes and uh, we were about to visit him uh, during the time of uh, christmas and uh, he got killed right uh, before when we came and we were supposed to go to his birthday the next day so what happened is basically right now there's a rise in violence and cartel violence uh, in mexico so this particular village is a little bit like libertarian uh, kind of philosophy close to what uh, a lot of people have in uh, in in uh, the states so everybody has guns you know everybody has their ranch like really like a ranch culture and uh, to that town specific town the cartel that was trying to go in and uh, never kind of succeeded because everybody was staying strong and like putting their step like their feet down and saying like you're not you're not entering here you're not gonna bring uh, violence or dirty business here we just want to you know have a normal life yeah so they took him as an example and they they, they kill him in front of his business uh to scare everybody right because if you uh go to the alpha male in a in some kind of sense and you you neutralize the alpha male well the whole like trip yeah, yeah so that was definitely the most shocking and uh also thoughtful experience uh because i i went to the funeral and the whole village was here there was like six thousand people eight thousand people and i never seen a funeral like this so people were Drinking, crying, laughing, dancing, crying, shouting, everything, right? So it was not like a really sober uh, funeral like in Canada or... Firing uh, arms too, right? Oh, yeah, firing arms right right close to me, you know, like uh, the the whole... uh, But he's also like kind of like a martyr, so not everybody gets that kind of funerals. Yeah. And at that time, what, what was even more shocking is that uh there was this whole funerals and at the same time in quebec uh there was like a full lockdown so you couldn't go if there was a funeral you couldn't go more than 10 people or something like something really something crazy. like that yeah and it was just really interesting to see the contrast between a country like mexico where death is way closer uh in some kind of way but they don't reject it they, they embrace it also you know the 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 death it's is celebrated in mexico in some kind of ways uh, through the totally day of the is. dead uh people are believe in god so they actually think they they will see uh they believe they they, they will see their loved ones uh, after they die so you know that's another that we we may go a little bit deeper but that's the most <laughs> fucked up well most uh interesting uh thing related to violence i experienced in mexico yeah well i i was thinking of that story too and i really like the way you compare canadian society to mexican society in in that regard where on one side you have uh, 
Kenyan, the Kenyan government telling everyone, hey, you, you cannot go to a funeral, only max 10 people, everybody has to mask up, uh, or you, or even like, don't do it now, do it uh, in a couple months. And on the other side, you have here people that couldn't care less about the government mandates or the government rules, uh, because to them, this is the the basis of their culture right it's it's it's, spirit, it's spiritual as well so yeah they will never let themselves stand. be told like you cannot uh, go say goodbye to your grandma or to exactly. your exactly nobody's going to stand between you and god yeah. you know it's god decides and yeah. uh, and and that's the difference of a of a of a culture like canada's and and mexico's and to me that's that's a core reason why i wanted to move away from canada because i I felt that culturally it's just at a different stage. Uh, it's it's kind of a, at a descending stage rather than an ascending stage, where, where, which I think Mexico is at. Yeah, because in Canada you're at this stage of where people, like old older people, are are scared of death, you know, and like and when it comes to yeah. dealing with death, uh, for example, with older people in Canada, they get put in. Uh, governmental facilities or get it treated really badly and you know they die and they kind of that's kind of it there's no like a fam family like there's not this big family tree where everybody respects respects each other i mean it's not everybody of course but um there's something lacking in that regards you know like uh, yeah i guess we're we're from montreal so you know i at the end we cannot tell for the whole country But at least it, it feels like that in Montreal and even in Quebec as as a whole, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that was uh, another little smaller thing is I got into an accident in Costa Rica and yeah. it was strange because the day before I was like scared. I don't know I didn't know why, I just had the feeling something bad's gonna happen. And then I had a accident, a motorcycle accident. And it wasn't that bad, but, you know, I got injured uh, pretty bad. And I ended up having to, like, treat my wounds for, like, many months. So that that was also kind of, like, eye-opening on, like, the fragility of my own life. But also being able to feel it because I was in a country super far from uh, high-end medical Canadian facilities where anything could happen, like, you know. So that that was, uh, but also like, not in, but also respecting this and also enjoying it at the same time. Yeah. So that was also like this kind of experience that makes you think a bit further, right? So. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. You, it's when like reality hits you on the face, and you're like, I'm out here. I'm far away from home. Yeah. I'm you're you're out of country. your cocoon, like that's protected. You're you're out of. Uh, Uh, your comfort zone basically so yeah i heard someone say that uh, he would advise every man to have sort of uh, to get away from home from their home city for a couple of years going on a quest yeah uh, and to to experience things like this right where you not only see the world but you're out on your own you know yeah. you're far away from home and and like you you break your your cocoon in in some ways Awesome. Um, very interesting. So I want to follow up with um, this question. Uh, sorry, I got a bit lost. 
So do you have any travel plans for the next year, for, for the next months? Uh, what are your plans? What country do you want to see next? Anything in Mexico, maybe other Mexican cities? Um, well, definitely in, in Mexico, I would like to, uh, if what well, for the next few months, I, I want to stay kind of, uh, um, uh, calm because the, for the summertime, there's always a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like we quitted Canada for forever. We're still visiting our families and friends. So summertime is like the perfect time to go back to Montreal because it's hot and everybody is happy and everybody uh, just, you know, is uh, is happy to be alive. Yeah. So it's a, and there's a lot of stuff happening. And, uh, and um, so until then, I plan to be kind of calm, but, you know, Mexico is so accessible. There's so many little gems all around you. So if I want to travel in Mexico, uh, but see more the, the things out of the touristic paths, so more smaller villages that people don't really visit, uh, natural wonders, uh, hikes, uh, mountains, stuff like that. Uh, but then again, uh, I want to continue a little bit on my journey of visiting Latin America So I don't know where I will land next to visit uh, in between like Colombia, Peru, Venezuela or Brazil. I don't know. Uh, probably uh, depending on... Probably not Venezuela. Probably not Venezuela, but I heard it's like up and coming and it's actually cool. Yeah, and, people uh, are saying that. And that Colombia is going down. So uh, these things are not fixed in time. So you, you need to be able to change your plan uh, depending on the situation right um so yeah i don't have specific travel plan for this year except also for the bonanza uh that is uh the bitterfield bonanza is planned in in europe somewhere in, okay in june so that's my only real plan yeah nice yeah well i if you're traveling with me which i assume you will i'm probably going to brazil for the second part of the year i'm really yeah. hyped about brazil Brazil seems to be the only country that competes with Mexico, you know, in terms of population size, economical size in Latin America. And it has just a different language, right? So Yeah, and it uh, looks, it's huge as well. It's so. huge, yeah. It's, it's so there's different Mexico. subculture in, Mex uh, in Brazil as well. There's the Amazon. Uh, there's like all the big cities like yeah. Rio, uh, Sa Sao Paulo. Yeah, it looks really interesting, definitely. But I want to go down to Peru too, you know, to see my family. And Peru is a beautiful country; it's just a complete mess. And yeah, the only country yeah. that I I don't feel any interest at all is Chile. I don't know why. Yeah, Chile is not very popular. But uh, I mean, even Argentina, I will be down to see. Like yeah, uh, me too. Uh, but like Chile is the only one. Like I'm like uh, I don't know what's what's there to see. Maybe yeah, maybe like skiing or. Yeah, like the southern Chile. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I heard from a guy named uh, Jack Nomada, who's very popular in the in Twitter and, uh, and on Substack around these subjects. He was saying that like his only country that he would tell you never to go is Chile, right? And maybe maybe if you go to like the southern parts of Chile, um, but Chile, but uh, Santiago, not a very like uh it's very expensive first of all so you're not getting that benefit from going to latin america mm. cost effectively wise but then again it's this nightlife's not that good 
women are not that hot. They're pretty overweight. Uh, so yeah, it 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 kind of Chile is one of the most developed countries, so it it kind of st- starting to have some first world problems. So it's not that attractive. Yeah, I I agree. I don't. I I really don't want to go there. You know, there's usually a, a beef with Peru and Chile, so I could be influenced by that too. But I think I think most people would agree with me. Yeah, well, uh, Peru looks uh, really interesting, but yeah, there's some bad stuff happening at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's a mess. Okay, um, so I I want to before we end, I want to ask you a couple questions about Bitcoin. So uh, there's this latest debate going on right now around ordinals or inscriptions, which are a new form of Bitcoin NFTs that you can do with uh, uh, Taproot. Um, so really, the debate is around whether this is a legitimate case of, of use case of Bitcoin because it's uh, whether there should be any changes to the protocol. Uh, so I wanted to know where you're positioned. Uh, you don't have to You, you just have to share what you want to share. Maybe you don't have a full-on opinion, uh, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to share your thoughts on the latest debate within the Bitcoin community. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, if I was following my my uh, first, well, not my first, how do you say? Like, originally, I was a toxic Bitcoin maximalist, <laughs> but so if if i was to follow the their doctrine i will need to repeat exactly what they say and say that bitcoin needs to be completely pure only serves for bit uh, financial transactions you know the the regular uh, stuff that's being repeated by the plebs i would say on, online and but then again i'm working in a environment where i'm a little bit more open to these things now and I listen. I listen to the. I forgot his last name, Ka- Ka- Casey, on uh, Stefan Levera's show. Yeah, the the founder. Well, the, the founder. guy that inv- invented this. Yeah, and he is super smart, and he's like really well opinionated, and he explains his point of view really well, and he actually uh, believes, for example, that ordinals uh, reinforce uh, the the sound money narrative in general. And that it's it's a good thing for Bitcoin. He also said one of his main arguments is like it's better to get to full blocks now as soon as possible to have this guaranteed of uh, security for the future for Bitcoin than kind of like still waiting. Are are, are they gonna get full at some point or not? Right. Mm-hmm. So he was really well opinionated. And Stefan Rivera, I think he's on the part of uh, the other camp, but he also was really um, uh, rational in his point of view, where like, okay, we cannot do anything about it. And also Christian Deckers uh, pointed out like more technically why you I, cannot really do that. Decker was else. on the show too? I know, he wasn't on the show, but I mean, uh, we discussed this. You mean this. Uh, Andrew Polstra? Oh, Andrew Polster. I was thinking was Christian. Dick. No, Sorry. Andrew Polster shared like a, an email on the on the email list. Yeah, saying that yeah, this was not really possible. Yeah, so you know it was not really possible. So why make a fuss again, like another kind of war, if it's not possible to block anyways? But in the end, I think it's also a, like kind of a marketing fad, the ordinals uh, as a whole, uh, especially for the use case of NFT. Uh, because the same thing happened on on Ethereum. There was a whole hype of NFT, 
but the volume since the bear market like reduced significantly maybe it's going to come back in another way so i think forces will kind of regulate uh, this phenomenon by itself so you know my opinion is like it's interesting i will try to do it there's some opportunities for companies to market something around this so i need to think that way uh, but at the end i think it won't really stay because it's just it's a fad it's a it's a fad i think but okay yeah. interesting but, well i agree with most of what you said I don't know. I feel I wouldn't say there's the same camp of like toxic Bitcoin maxis as there were before. It seems that people are split over this. And it seems to me that the way bigger majority are on the side that we shouldn't change the protocol to block this. I think it's just a very little minority at this point that has basically no reach uh, that is on that side. That's my perception from what the conversations I've had, the, the stuff that I've been following. And I obviously and you basically a, could always do that, right? In some kind of ways, like timestamping. It's not the same, I know, but I'm I'm not that technical. But timestamping or counterparty that was yeah. also like putting other types of data into the blockchain of Bitcoin. So I don't see why this is like so controversial. Is it just because it's more efficient? Yeah, it's because of the fee. Uh, it's because it. You, you get a fee advantage. A you fee pay discount. less fees. Exactly. A fee right. discount. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you were always, you, you could always make NFTs on Bitcoin. This has been the case since like 2012, 2013, maybe. You know, there's even you can look on Coindesk, there's some startups that were raising millions of dollars, many startups f to make Bitcoin NFTs back in 2014. So, like, there has been trends around this uh buzz and it has come down yeah i i agree with you i think it's nothing really to worry about i think it's just a, a normal way for uh it's just one of the use cases of bitcoin that people will 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 do uh and this is not something you can block because yes you could you could block this but like as polstra was pointing out you would find yourself with people instead of using the witness discount they would do it directly on the transaction fields that are not part of the segregated witness which wouldn't give them the discount but which would bloat the utxo set the unspent transaction output set forever so this would consume way more network resources over the long term um, but yeah you would reduce their fee benefit but It, it, so so Paulstra's argument is really that, yeah, if we wanted, first of all, we would have to get into kind of like a a, a debate and, and a war to do this. But And if we won, we would just create an environment where this would still be possible, but it would even damage the network even more. So this is a way for them to make their NFTs because I'm not doing it. I don't really care about NFTs. This is a way for them to do it without bloating the resources It's done in a smart way by smart people. I think it's okay. Yeah, in the end, I think it will get itself like regulated by itself. Like uh, I believe in the fee market. And, exactly. Like I don't think the impact is that big in terms of uh, even block size at the moment. Like it doesn't. Maybe for a few days it was a little bit more full. 
uh-huh. because people were trending out. But again. no, it, it it has bloated a bit. Like yeah. yeah, the network is busy right now. It's full. It's full capacity. But yeah, I just see it as a good thing. A lot of people just live in this utopia where fees are gonna stay one set per byte forever, and that's just unrealistic. I I think the the only thing that might stay and that's kind of like in line with bitcoiners i think it's uh casey said the same thing he said like he doesn't like he doesn't like the term nft uh-huh. because it gets associated with all the negative stuff on ethereum there are most most of them uh, just scams um and he says for example in mix a lot of people for example are gonna be ready to pay one bitcoin i think something like that happened one guy paid one bitcoin for one satoshi that got mine in 2009 or something like that so for me that doesn't make sense but then if you have one kilo of gold that's worth a certain market price and you have one kilo of gold that was forged into a sculpt mayan sculpture three thousand years ago uh, of course, the Mayan uh, sculpture, even it has the same amount of gold because it has a historical uh, yeah. v- value to it. People value it, it more because it's art. So I don't, I don't think the analogy is perfect for Bitcoin, but people still see it that way. So maybe there's going to be some collectors of old Satoshis and stuff like that. But it just it's going to be just a small subset of it's people. inevitable yeah. you cannot control the use cases bit people are going to employ to use bitcoin that's the whole point uh, a lot of people want to believe that they got the perfect idea of what the world and what bitcoin should be and that's just egoistic people uh that haven't humbled themselves up and haven't realized that they obviously haven't figured anything everything out by themselves nobody has so you just got to let the market decide. Mm-hmm. Okay, very interesting. Um, any technological development, any Bitcoin news that you're excited about? Uh, anything that you want to see move forward uh, or backwards? Backwards. <laughs> uh, well, as always, I guess there's lightning that's going forward pretty fast. And uh, I remember just two, three years ago, it was still like a, in its infancy but now i i think it's getting quite widespread uh-huh. the challenge is uh are people really gonna use it for real use cases and stuff like that for example in bitrefill i think lightning is at number eight in terms of uh, like uh, volume uh behind the uh, litecoin yeah know? it's pretty low so you know we still have to figure this out like how uh, what's more interesting about me right now in bitcoin is how to uh, make economics uh, circular economies uh, pe- make people use it because i think the philosophy of holding forever and just like stacking sats and never touching never spending your bitcoin doesn't make sense um so i'm I'm still think there's a lot of education and stuff like that to do. Yeah, I I totally agree. Well, I think because you work at Bitrefill, you're starting to have this this point of view more and more. Uh, but I I personally am a big Bitrefill user. I felt the need towards like building circular economies more and more because now I live in a different country, 
so I don't have a bank account in this country. I need Bitcoin to live. So I, you, you, when you, you're in that situation, you see the the use case become very apparent, right? So yeah, so if yeah, you don't sell your Bitcoin, it means you're still stuck in the fiat system because that means you're using your bank account to pay your all your stuff. Uh, the only usage you do of your Bitcoin is like in your hardware wallet stashed in a... And it's okay too. That's right. okay too. But I mean, you can do both. That's what I mean. Uh, and But not everybody needs to do both. Yeah, it, you, you do what you <laughs> need to do at yeah. the end, right? Yeah. The different use cases for different people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, was, I, us- I commented today on a, on a post by Eric Yakes where he was saying... Um, that right now Bitcoin and since forever Bitcoin has been completely correlated to the traditional financial markets to the Fed funds rate and the stock market and he believes as I as I do that it's the emerging market adoption that will change that that will decouple Bitcoin from other assets because it is it's not just a speculative asset that Canadians and Americans buy it's Something that's used on a day-to-day basis by Argentinians, uh, uh, Lebanese people, uh, Turkish, you know, Africans, uh, people from emerging countries, which is where probably the need is at the most. Yeah. Well, uh, for example, in Bitrefill, you get a lot of these stories where, oh, yeah, I use Bitrefill to pay uh, the phone refill of my uh, brother in Venezuela. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> stories like that. That like. Uh, the use case is really real like because somebody's in need and then you can pay for their product uh, directly without passing through any financial infrastructure whatsoever only having bitcoin or another crypto and that's it you can pay for something on the other side of the world right so that, no that's great that's amazing yeah 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 that's really good all right my check uh, anything else you want to share with us before we finish the show Any further thoughts? Um, no, I didn't prepare any, but uh, I would say for people um, that we're gonna do a lot in Mexico, uh, trying to like create a bridge between the expats and the the, lo- the locals. I think that's what uh, the expat needs in order to be happy here. But also, I think it's a great opportunity for Mexico and other Latin American countries such as El Salvador to take advantage of the fact that people are coming here and like want to spend money here, want to invest here and like kind of do a new form of alliance because I think a lot of people that are coming here have are you know uh, freedom oriented they, they, they believe in some kind of independence from governments not everybody but uh-huh. I, there's a lot of people like that thinking about new ways of uh, growing food, growing growing communities, uh, education, like uh, outside of just Bitcoin, there's so many things to, to change and to make better in the world. So I, I think in those places here, uh, you have kind of the room uh, to do it. So for those who hesitate, want to try, they should come and, and see for themselves. Yeah, and... You can always DM me or Magic, and we'll show you around. We'll at least ho- host you in our city. We love to have people over. All right. Well, thank you, Magic. Uh, thank you to the listeners. If uh, you have any feedback, Magic, uh, or if anybody listening has any feedback on the show, it's always welcome. Uh, I'm going to try to do 
once a week. Uh, well, I, I'm going to do once a week uh, an episode. Uh, we'll have different people from different backgrounds, some that have moved to Latin America or the United States, uh, southern United States. That's it's because it's not only a movement of moving to Latin America, but to southern states too. Uh, well, I'll talk to those people, but I'll also talk to Bitcoin experts uh, to get answers that, that uh, to questions that people ha are asking themselves. And I am asking myself, right? This is a way for me to to share what I, what I find about the world, the conversations that I have, so that they can be publicly available. Where, where can people follow you, Matchek? Uh, can you share with us your Twitter, any project you want to shout out? Um. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter on Sepnik uh, Mache. It's pretty. Uh, it's just my last name followed by my first name. How do you spell that? Uh, C e p n i k and then M a c i e uh, J. So uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you.